This podcast is also part of a pod course, which is available for credit on speechtherapypd.com. All you need to do is register for the course, complete the requirements, and you will receive credit. Speechtherapypd.com is a video continuing education company, a certified ASHA CE provider. folks, and welcome to First Bite, Fed, Fun, and Functional. I'm your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MSCCC SLP, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast was, like most creative processes, birthed from a combination of a several cups of coffees and, honestly, even more questions posed by a series of impassioned graduate students that I've had the pleasure of supervising over the last several years. First Bite's mission... It's to answer those questions that we've all had, but we've either been too afraid to ask or we didn't have the subject matter expert saved to our own personal speed dials. So, do you too have more questions and answers when it comes to treating your medically complex and fragile pediatric patients? Are you unsure if the signs and symptoms that you're observing are indicative of an allergy, maybe an underlying GI issues, or could they possibly be neurologically driven? How many questions do you really have for that registered dietitian regarding the formulas prescribed and the flow rate through that patient's G-tube? Have you ever been consulted for a quote-unquote difficult latch only to find out that the mother is exclusively breastfeeding, but you've never nursed a little one or worked with the breastfed patient before? And what about functional communication? Are you so over flashcards, but you need advice on how to get started with core vocabulary with a non-speech-generating device or how to find the right fit for a speech-generating device? Do you have additional worries about the basic day-to-day running and documentation of your private practice? How do you go about obtaining referrals or even documenting that note so that the insurance company deems it medically necessary? If you answered yes, well, then come join me, Michelle Dawson, for this dynamic podcast presented by SpeechTherapyPD.com. Who am I, you ask? Well, I'm a self-described SLP geek with, as my family says, a touch of the ADD and ADHD. I have a passion for serving the least of these, namely the most complex and involved pediatric patients in their natural environment through my private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, in the Columbia, South Carolina metro area. I also have had the pleasure, and currently still am, traveling the country where I lecture on best practices for pediatric dysphagia and functional language acquisition delivered through an early intervention natural environment model. Are you still intrigued? Then come join me as I interview some amazing folks. And don't forget that you can submit questions for a Q&A or interview request topics to me via email at firstbite at speechtherapypd.com or on our Facebook page. And also check out our website, drop a review, subscribe to obtain those coveted ASHA CEUs. All right, folks, let's get right to it. Welcome back to First Bite, Fed, Fun, and Functional Resources for the Pediatric Clinician. I am your host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. The topic of today falls in the functional category with emphasis on transversing the ever so murky waters of social media. On that note, I'm excited to introduce the charismatic Kiki Le Italian. 
I always butchered, I'm trying, um, creative technologist, CEO, and founder with Amplified Growth and Association Chat. I first heard Kiki speak several years ago in Minneapolis, Minnesota, when she was an invited speaker at ASHA Connect. At the time, I was, I was just toying with the idea of opening up my own private practice, and the thought of stepping out on my own had me paralyzed with fear. I am a speech-language pathologist. Sure as anything, I'm not a businesswoman, much less a social media person. But after spending 90 minutes and her AM lecture on social media, I was so hooked that me, of all people, nixed my plan to see an afternoon dysphagia lecture and stayed for her second course. In that second course, Kiki had me on my phone setting up a LinkedIn account, something that I thought was reserved for stuffy old dodgy guys with bow ties. Um, and I knew that right then and there, her light needed to shine in my adopted home state of South Carolina. She was gracious enough to come down to our state association conference a few months later. And after spending a few days immersed in all things Skisha, I'm pleased to report I haven't scared her away. And um, she was on board with letting me pick her brain once again. So on that note, I am pleased to introduce Miss Kiki. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Hi. Yay. Okay, so you you made me rethink the world of um, uh, apps on my phone is how I kind of viewed it originally. But um, before we get started with all the questions, tell me about you. How did, how did you get into this world that you do and do so well? <laughs> You know, I, I I think it's a combination of things. When I look back, um, there, of course, social media, I'm a little bit older, social media didn't exist back when I was a kid. And when I was going through college, I was studying a combination of public speaking and journalism. I was an editor focused on, on writing and then started working in marketing right out of college. And the combination between journalism and marketing and then being able to get out in front of people has become like this magical combination so that, by the way, I loved technology. So I, when I started playing around with it and, and getting involved in online forums as soon as they were available, I still remember setting up my very first email uh, address on Yahoo. It was so crazy. Actually, it's AOL, but I don't even count. Those. <laughs> but anyway, you know, and I, I think back about it and it's like this magical combination that came together. And today with everything that's happening with video and audio and um, the way that we are asked to create even um, news flash briefings for our voice assistants that are at home, all of this like comes back to my training. And so I really feel like um, it, it's interesting that I probably, if I had to design a course today, it would look just specifically for the work that I do. It would look an awful lot like the training that I got, but I didn't know it. I mean, that didn't even exist at the time. So I, you, when you said AOL, all I could think of was <laughs> old because I definitely remember that. We all know it. <laughs> yeah. Why? I was so afraid of social media. I mean, I remember saying, asking my sister, I was like, are you on the Twitter bird? And she was like, honey, we don't call it that. Okay. All right. Well, all right, so you you have keen insight and you're looking at it from 
you know, there's there's wisdom with our non millennial generation because yeah. I'm, I'm I too am older. Gen X, <laughs> yeah. Gen X forever. Yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I'm the twilight between millennial and Gen X, whatever that's called. Um, okay, cusp. Yeah, yes, I'm on the bubble. Yep. Uh, well, all right. So, what do you see right now as the most common problem with um, how people are using and accessing social media? Oh I I can tell you really quickly. Um, the number one problem that I see with people using social media is not thinking about it holistically with their communication and putting way too much emphasis on one channel or one type of content that they think is going to drive traffic. They think it's it's this magical um, sort of answer for them and it's not. And there are so many things that you can do with social media. But if I had one thing, one message to get out to everyone, um, it would be do not think that social media um, creating a creative campaign on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or Instagram or Pinterest is going to be your answer. It has to be um, an understanding of the way that people find you in the first place and integrating that with the content that you're producing on these different social media channels. Okay. All right. So you just used a lot of words that I'm unfamiliar with. I did. did. (laughs) But that's okay. That's why you're here. Everybody, all the other SLPs are like, yeah. What? (laughs) Okay. All right. So um, I'm going to tie this back into my little world because that's how like it makes sense. So when you say a creative campaign, um, I'm thinking, uh, like a commercial, like with like the, the snappy jingle. Let me, or let, me like. let me interrupt you. So, so yeah, so it could be something like that. But if I said to you, you know, when you think about the best thing that you could be doing on social media that you think would be quote unquote successful, what would that look like? What do you think it, I mean, just, I know you've heard me talk before, but like in general, Like when you think, okay, I'm going to go out, I'm going to use social media and this is what success looks like on social media. What are you thinking? Um, Originally, I thought it was numbers and quantity of likes or just like like looking at like those little numbers. And like, I still feel like I fall back in that rut, like people saying like, 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 or love. And then I'm like, oh, but not many people like that cute picture that I put out there or... And, and let me dig a little bit deeper. So even if you had a million people who were liking it, would it really make you feel a whole lot better if it didn't translate into someone either hiring you, seek, signing up for your newsletter, you know, listening no. to the podcast? Because at the end of the day, you're not doing this just, I mean, it's great. And like altruistic purposes, it's awesome, but we're all doing things for a reason. And are we really effective if there isn't some sort of conversion happening where people are either hiring us, spreading the word, being mobilized to do something? Like, what are you doing with those likes? You could have a million hearts. You can buy hearts. You can, you can buy likes out there. I didn't and, know and that was possible. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. I mean, it's not it's not the right thing to do, but no. it, like ethically or even it's not even it runs counter to what our um, different social media channels say we're supposed to do. But it happens. You can totally go out there and do it. Um, but is it worth anything if you have all of this, uh, even the numbers and, and it doesn't lead to conversion? Now, let me counter that by saying 
what if somebody, you have only five likes, but one of those likes for whatever content you produced becomes a meaningful client? Mm -hmm. Was it worth it? Mm-hmm. Was it worth posting that content? And that's, that is my argument is that I think people, they don't, they forget that and they forget that conversion piece. So even if they post really great content, they don't have a call to action or it's not driving people to their websites, which is a huge mistake. It's not driving people to hold on you said people not being driven to the website is a mistake yeah um because how are you going to continue that engagement Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't go on to social media um unless that unless this is their their industry your clients are probably not going on social media saying you know what today on facebook this is how i'm going to use facebook i'm just going to look at all of this type of content that has to do with speech and language therapy or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, a lot of people don't do that unless they're looking for help. Now, if they're looking for help, if they are in that mind space or if they have that problem and your content, they've looked for it in the past and your content comes to them, it can seem serendipitous. It can seem like the answer they were looking for. And if they then go to that content and you don't have a call to action that and a call to action asking them to do something, they click, they buy, they go to your website, they download, they do something where you can continue to talk with them, right? Building that relationship, then you're missing out on a great opportunity because you're their answer. And yet they how often do we drift away from that Facebook post we're reading and we never like who was that from where did that come from are they going to remember your name are they going going to even know where they saw that no unless they signed up for something downloaded something there's some way that you can get back and and build that relationship and so I think what people do is they focus so much on the creative or so much on being on the right channel they're not thinking about the big picture and really it's relationships, it's conversions. It's, it's how are you going to have a meaningful relationship, you know, with your potential client or uh, advocate or anybody um, on, on social media or online, if you're not, you know, making it so that it's easy to connect with them in the future. See, I get, I use Facebook from a family perspective so that I can keep more cousins. I mean, heavens to Betsy's, I have one cousin. If you looked at her, she had a baby, right? And so like, (laughs) (laughs) they're beautiful. They're all blonde. They're fantastic. (laughs) I mean, you're like, like, apparently the recessive blonde trait came on that side of the family. But like, I I, I use, it makes sense to me from like a family friend perspective to maintain Mm-hmm. you know, to get on Facebook for my relationships. It's a love language. I can see them and we like joke and cut up as if like they're right there and I can touch them even though they're two states away and down in a holler in Virginia. Right. Mm-hmm. But I had, I forget that we're, we're supposed to be building the relationship from a business perspective. Mm, you're already making think before I have not finished this first cup of coffee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay. All right. Now, all right. So what are some of the biggest trends in how people use social media and and how they use social media like effectively? 
Yes. Okay. So one of the biggest trends, um, you know, that's been around for, I guess, a couple of years now uh, is video. Video is huge. Uh, they've incorporated it into live streaming content. You've got Facebook Live, you've got Instagram, which just, you know, I know that this is probably going to post later, but um, just in the past couple of days, I think yesterday, they made it so that the videos are able to last a lot longer than they used to. I did see that. So for the win, I saw my little Beth Moore video pop up this morning on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and Facebook has Facebook Watch now so that uh, those people who produce a lot of content, uh, you can watch it like you would TV. So there's this is a trend that continues. So people who feel uncomfortable with video um, and there are a lot of them and I I get it because it's fraught with all kinds of of complications, but um, people who have difficulty with video, there are other ways that you can add a video element um, and not include like tons of selfie, like recording and stuff to make it work. So there's that, right? So video is one big trend. Another trend is stories and stories started have you seen these? I, I don't understand what a story is. Like when I go to post a picture on Instagram, it says, do you want to add it to your feed or to a story? And I'm right. like, I'm just glad that my sweet friend Mern taught me what uh, Instagram was. Much less <laughs> like, I mean, she didn't, she didn't teach me the rest of it. Right. So. so, so stories, actually, this is something that with younger demographics, and this is the younger of the millennials and going into Gen Z are a lot more... They're a lot more, um, they like this type of content. And really what it is, is it started out, stories started out as a feature that was offered on Snapchat where you could create um, a string of connected images, video, um, you could edit on them if you wanted to add stickers, add uh, you know a location or a time or whatever, and put these together and people see them as moving images. It kind of goes through and it's it's engaging. It's like, um, it's kind of like seeing a spliced together little highlight reel or movie of whatever it is that they want you to see. Um, originally on Snapchat, it would disappear pretty quickly. Now Snapchat's doing away with that um, okay. now that they have competition from other channels. But but then Instagram took up stories and then Facebook has now taken up stories. Stories is super, super, they're super, super popular. And so how the stories feature this trend is to think about the types of content that lend themselves well to stories. And so if you have step-by-steps, if you have how-tos, if you have, if you have an event and you check in periodically throughout the day and add to it. It can be a sequential kind of storytelling where it's not just one block of you talking to the camera about stuff that happened, but it's actually, you know, splicing together and showing a story over time, but condensed in one little blip, right? Okay. And so the story feature is something that's super hot. It's only growing and it's a way to produce content that will engage the younger demographics, especially some of the older people who have been around, even who are very tech savvy. I'm trying, like, 
I like stories. I don't know that I like them better than anything else, but I see what works um, statistically. I like, I see what's working for, for folks with brands um, when they create these things and they're really, really engaging. They get a lot of views. And so I think that that's something that um, people who are producing content on social media need to be aware of because really there's stories now on Facebook on Instagram, on Snapchat. So if you're on any of those, you need to be thinking about that. Live, okay, and speaking of live stream, even the stodgy stuff, stuffy LinkedIn <laughs> has added oh, the video, gosh. right? They've added the they've added the video. So now I can go on LinkedIn and do my <laughs> do my live streamed video. On so, LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. Dude, I have made so many connections since I got on LinkedIn. <laughs> but I mean, like connections that actually turned into Work. like um, I connected with recruiters, not for a job for uh, myself, yeah. but connected with the recruiters there, encouraged them to come to our state conference. And then people have found jobs because that recruiter was there. Yeah. So, I mean, like one of my sweet friends, um, Maddie, just got a job um, working at a sniff over in just North Augusta. Um, and that was because I met a recruiter on, on LinkedIn and this lovely sassy woman came and I'm like, this is so yay for yeah. Michelle and Greg kicking and screaming into the 21st I know. century. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think that, I think that everybody, you know, it, it makes sense. We have a limited amount of time. And so who wants to spend time on something that's not going to be effective, yeah. but, but, um, you know, the way that we do business and the way that we communicate so much is, is using these different social channels. So my big, you know, I get a little bit, I become kind of an evangelist about this. My big thing though, is like, please don't waste your time, you know, chasing how to be super duper clever and all be smart about what it is you're trying to get out of it and then go in, don't spend your entire day on social media connect it absolutely to what you're trying to achieve and then you know make these tests along the way to see what's working for you and what isn't i know i know business leaders who have chosen to completely ignore facebook because that's not where they get their engagement they instead choose to focus on linkedin and then they will do something like twitter or experiment with something else but um you don't have to be everywhere that's I I have struggled with that as a business owner. Um, I'm I have my website and I have my website link to where I give lectures, mm-hmm. and then I only do Facebook and Instagram. I mean, I have a Snapchat account, but that is only for me and my siblings, and like that's nobody outside of our crazy selves need to see those fun pictures of our like <laughs> children and like you know like, but like because I don't because for me I don't have patients that are on you know the twitter bird or doing yeah. the rest of it like I have it it less is more yeah less is more, less is more. and do just do the 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 focus and do the channels that you're doing really well 
you know, okay. just make that really valuable. There's one more trend I wanted to tell you about. Okay. Okay. And I'll do, I'll do it really fast. And that is uh, audio. So I mentioned the voice assistants. Um, we talk about, you know, Amazon's echo devices. Um, Those are amazing. I have one sitting up here. Different people are using Google home and they're just, they're pervasive. You know, now we have um, hotels that are putting them in every room. So people don't have to, people travel with these devices because they don't want to be without them. And so now we have hotels, entire chains that they are now right now uh, installing them throughout all of their rooms um, with like certain, they, they, you know, of course have certain constraints on how people can use them, but this is something that's not going away. It's something that I can now control the lights, the music, my TV, my thermostat, my doors uh, in every room of my house by talking to the air. So, so like figuring out how, and, and the closer we get, the more people who have things like Tesla's and automatic driving, like cars that drive for you, um, there, people are going to be able to consume more content in uh, moments when they are doing things where they otherwise would have been kind of occupied. And so how are we producing content for these devices? You know, Amazon's Alexa, uh, sorry, Alexa, I just turned her on. Uh, <laughs> Amazon, I always say the Amazon Echo devices to avoid this because like, you know, that's A-L-E-X-A is her name. But, um, but I create flash briefings for what I do. You can uh, create when you're listening to the news or weather in the morning, you can add flash briefings from different companies. What's and a flash briefing? It's, uh, it's basically a micro podcast that is ideally between one and three minutes. And okay. it is something that can be updated daily, weekly, monthly, but people can subscribe to them like you would a podcast and add it to their daily flash briefings and get an update. So it's ideal if you have something quick that you want to share, a quick resource that you want to share. This is my, I'm Michelle Dawson. This is my, you know, resource of the week that you need to pay attention to and a quick little blip about it and where they can get more information. That's it, you know, and that's the kind of information you can put on there. And there are people out there, they're listening to these every single morning while they get ready or while they're on their, you know, making their coffee. That's, I didn't so, even know that was a thing. Yeah. So, um, and in the meantime, while people are figuring out how to create what flash briefings are and how to create them for whatever device they have, um, I cross promote them. I, I put them also on my regular podcast so that when people who are already subscribed, that they'll know and be aware of the content that I'm sharing. And there's, there's really no downside to it. So people need to be aware that these voice assistants offer you an opportunity to create content and um, you need to at least be aware that that's something that's happening and it's own, it's growing really, really quickly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just thinking how in the world we can do that, but I like that. And that has given me numerous ideas. <laughs> okay. Good, All right. Good, okay. Good. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let, let me <laughs> squirrel. Let me bring it back. Okay. Um, all right. So you mentioned once upon a time about an organic reach and how there's a decline in an organic reach. And I, my gut says that probably has to do with the commentary you made earlier about people can pay for a like or pay for the hearts. 
are those two related or where so, are we? With somewhat. So back in the day, back in the day, you know, Facebook used to be this really fantastic place where if you were just engaging and people said, I like you, I want to follow what you say that um, and they they you know, followed you on your Facebook page, or they connected with you that they'd see most, most of what you posted. And that's organic reach. You're not paying for that. They're seeing they, they said they were interested. And so they're seeing your content. That is no more. <laughs> Those days are long gone. Um, so if you if you are connected with somebody on Facebook, uh, even through your personal account, and you're like, I never see the, anything from them, I hope they're okay, or Wow, yeah, I've noticed you know? that. So, um, so Facebook's just Facebook decides who you seem to want to engage with more or less, and they pick and choose. And you definitely do not see everything that is being posted by the people you're connected to. E okay, so take that knowledge and apply this knowledge to your Facebook pages and groups. Uh, especially Facebook pages. Facebook pages are primarily companies, brands, businesses, and Facebook knows that. So what they've done is they've basically reduced your reach. Even if people say that they're interested in your content, they've reduced your organic reach to practically nothing. So uh, if you post something from your Facebook page, most likely, unless you've paid to promote it, the people who've said that they care about your page aren't going to see it because it's never going to show up on their on their feed. And so there are very it's just a, a I think at this point, it's less than one percent of the people who are following or interested in your page actually see a post if you post it. That's crazy because we right. all assume that's how we reach our patients, their families. I mean, when I find like we had really good news about the park down the street is making an entire handicap accessible um, playground for kids. Yeah. And like I posted that because that immediately impacts like all the kids on my caseload and their families. They can take their entire family. And that's yeah. horrifying that that didn't that good it news is. like that didn't get out. It's horrifying. And um, as a result, it kind of forces us if we want a message, a specific message to be seen. Facebook says, of course you can, you can pay for it. Now, what are some lessons we can take from this? One, Facebook's advertising to reach a really large amount of people is actually not that expensive. So if you do have an important message, if you have an important event, or if you have an important posting that you just really think is, is key to what you're doing, by all means, you know, you can pay $50 and reach like, I mean, a huge amount of people, thousands of people that are in your target, you know, maybe there are people who liked your page, they're friends of people who liked your page or people in your geographic area. I mean, you can really segment those audience as well. You can look at it that way. I think there's also a lesson to be, to be learned here too, that any of these free, free social media channels, they can change the rules any anytime they want. So in the early days, um, there were brands and there were companies who built this great engagement. Um, just a lot of their community was connected on Facebook and just 
overnight, as soon as, as soon as that algorithm change happened, um, they lost control of this fantastic community that they reached and they then had to pay to reach them and figure out a way to continue to communicate with that, that community without having to pay for it all the time. Right. And so that's why, again, we always have to be thinking about where can people, where we asking people to go. The home should never be on a social media channel. The home should be your hub, your online website, someplace where you can collect email addresses or or figure out a way to regularly communicate beyond what these social media channels are. So that if they go away, if uh, the government shuts them down, if they change their rules on their algorithms and force you to pay to reach people, that you're not up a creek, you know? Yeah. Hi. Hmm. More things to think about. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> like, now y'all know why I asked Kiki back because we're all like, oh, so how do we get referrals for patients to, you know, treat yeah. and help? Okay. All right. All right. So then how much, how much time should I actually invest in Facebook advertising? I mean, and I'm not meaning like from a payment perspective, like okay. this is, this is something that I struggle with like on a day-to-day basis. Like I wake up in the morning, I'm responsible for getting yeah. two tiny humans dressed, fed to school, hopefully guzzle down a cup of coffee, pick up an intern, go see patients all day, and then, you know, guide, mold, shape. And then in between all of that, um, I'm trying to write a lecture or yeah. contact speakers for the podcast course cast and, you know, doing all of that. And then I'm like, oh, but I should be doing a social media profile pic or click, 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 click. And now I got to add a story to this thing and figure out how to do a story. Um, Mern, if I have not called you already, I'll be calling you. But like, um, where do I, how much time, how much time should I actually do this? Because I hate when my five-year-old, when Goose turns to me and he's like, mommy, you're still on your laptop. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, mommy is because, you know, I have notes to write. Um, this is a really important question, but I just want to like honor what you just said and say that I feel like we are all battling that where we're giving so much of our time away um, to screens and um, to engaging online while we have the people who mean the absolute most to us sitting right across from us sometimes. This happens to me like every day and especially in the work that I do because um, everything's demanding a screen from me. And so um, so I, I think it's really important, this this question about how much time do I spend on this stuff? Do you want to know the truth? I'll, I'll tell you the absolute truth. Um, you should not be spending, I, I say, longer than an hour a week on putting together the content that you have for social media and the reason why, unless you can afford to do it. And the reason why I say that is because you can create content that's meaningful, uh, that is meaningful to your audience and post that content, repurpose some of it and put it on a different channel, but make it really, really valuable. And if you have that call to action and are able to connect with people on a different place on a regular basis, I, there really is strategically when, when you look at it, there is no reason why you should spend more than an hour doing this stuff. And I mean, and this is coming from me. I put together 
you know, digital strategies. I spend so much time on this stuff all the time, but on an individual with their business, um, I would have a hard time figuring out. I, I'm taking something like your podcast out of it because that is a product. That's something that exists separately. But when you're looking at social media channels, um, I, I would not spend more than an hour on it a week. If you are, you need to figure out how you can rein that in. Okay. That's, yeah. I, I feel like for me personally, just setting up the events button when like, Hey, I'm lecturing here. Hey, this course is up like that for me takes longer because I'm like, copy, paste, copy, paste. But like, <laughs> yeah. aside from, yeah. aside from that, like, I mean, I, I just submitted my um, monthly edits for the website this morning. And that took me, you know, 30 minutes, but it's 30 yeah. minutes once a month to do all of the edits. And, and folks, if you're, one 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 humble bit of advice that I can give is it has taken me almost two years to be somewhat happy with how my website looks mm -hmm. like it wasn't like I'm going to do this every single month. It was, yeah. you know, a little bit here and a little bit here. But um, I feel like correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like every month it's it's tweaking. It's a a little it bit. is. Yeah. yeah. And we can, you know, and the like the fancier, the more, oh, I guess the the trendy way to talk about it is iterations. Like the technology folks always want to talk about iterations because it comes from lean startup methodology. But all that means is constant tweaking. It means um, you do something and then later you figure out another way to improve it. And then later you figure out another way to improve it. And you're just constantly trying to improve and make these, these updates a little bit along the way. And that way you don't have to just do one massive overhaul. Yeah. Um, but you can constantly be improving. Mm. So, so what you're really saying is that social media is um, a lifelong endeavor of tiny steps forward and patience. Ha ha. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you put that so well. I don't know why I'm on here. Actually. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just a smart aleck, honey. You, you know your stuff. I'm just trying to translate it for all of us that like really don't know what we're doing. And we're like, no, oh, I was fake till we make it. I mean, you know, social media can be incredibly powerful, but you absolutely do not need to be on every channel. In fact, I think it's a bad idea to be on every channel. You just want to focus on making sure that the communication you do have is meaningful and that it achieves the things that you want it to achieve. And if you do that, you know, you're going to be great. And so um, always try to connect it to everything else. Don't do it in a silo. And um, make sure you keep your ultimate goal in mind, which if it's motivating people, if it's adding them to your mailing list so that you can continue to motivate them, if it's to convert them into customers, if it's to reach out to their family, I mean, whatever that goal is, keep that in mind. And then um, you'll have a much easier time of being able to craft meaningful messaging and being effective on what you're doing on social media. Awesome. Yeah. <sighs> well, there it is. All right. Well, um, I have to because I'm looking at the clock and thinking we've, you know, we've spent our time very quickly. Oh, um, so let me just remind everybody, um, folks, Kiki's going to be back on Tuesday, October 30th 
for a spooktacular second episode. Um, and um, I had to be cheesy. <laughs> I might need to dress up for that one. <laughs> um, it'll be October. My nails will be black instead of red. Yes, Every other yes. month is red, but that month black. Uh, um, and in that episode, I think we're going to focus on growing our business through a strong social media presence, like specifically on growing the business. Right. That's exciting. All right. Well, Kiki, thank you so much. And um, if people have a question specifically for you, how can they reach you? You can find me on amplifygrowth.net. You can always reach me there. But you know what? I have a very unique name. So if you even butcher my last name and (laughs) type in Kiki Little Alien, I promise you, you will find me. Google is so powerful. Yes, yes, there it is. All right. Well, Kiki, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember, feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies.